0: Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the
1: Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and
0: Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly d.
1: It's the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast and I'm me and guess who else is here? Him. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, him from, he lives over there, and I live over here. Right. How you doing, you?
0: I'm doing pretty good. I'm about four beers in, so I'm getting happy.
1: All right, I just made my shake. Oh. Shake, 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 shake your love.
0: Yeah. Oh, old school Debbie Gibson.
1: Hell, yeah, the the real deal before she sold out. Yeah,
0: exactly, before she went all new metal.
1: With that electric love bullshit.
0: Yeah, Electric Youth.
1: Yeah. That's her black oh. album.
0: Yeah, nobody's buying that shit. No, nah,
1: fuck no, man. you got to stick to the hardcore.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, well, you know how we normally start out. We, let's just get out of the way. You normally ask me, hey, you got any iTunes reviews? No. No, we do not. And and I don't get that. How does Decibel Geek, every fucking week they have iTunes reviews? We need some new ones. I know we got new listeners. Give us some new uh, iTunes reviews.
1: Yeah, you know why? Because uh, uh, it doesn't cost money to, to leave them a, a review on iTunes, but it costs money to donate to the expo. Therefore, we, we're better. Oh, I get it. <laughs> Take that, yeah. Sizzler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, I, I, we, I like those guys. By the way, our plane tickets are booked.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes. All yes. right. Uh, Hotels uh, taken care of. We're still raising money, though. There's still uh, a lot of money to be raised. I think we're a little under halfway to the goal that we want to raise to, uh, you know, properly promote this the best we can and to get everything running smooth. And we still, Ralph, you, you know you know the one new guest that we can't announce yet that is a, a rock legend Oh yeah. Uh, that's going to get announced. And, and besides all the other people that have been announced and now a new thing that, uh, we have, and I posted this on the Facebook page. I need to bump it though. Um, there is this guitar. I don't know if it's, if if it's a, it's a Les Paul. I don't believe, I don't know if it's an Epiphone or a Gibson, so don't get mad at me if it's an Epiphone, but it's still a good guitar. Uh, but it was signed by, I think like 30 people at the, uh, At the Indiana Kiss Convention, and all kinds of famous people, including Ace Frehley, signed this motherfucker. So, uh, you know, and there's a lot of people who signed it. So, you have a chance to win that, I believe, for ten dollars. And I believe they're going to allow two hundred and fifty people into this, you know, to get into the raffle for this. And you don't—I don't believe—you have to be present at the expo. Uh, You just have to donate to it. But for $10, get your raffle ticket. And uh, this, this is uh, you know, this is, there's no, there's no gonna be no other guitars like this with all these signatures on it, man.
1: Look, so. listen, man. Listen, okay? We got the plane ticket booked, we got the hotel booked. There's no way Sizzler's gonna get mad at me by announcing the special guest right now. And I'm the one that's editing the show, and I'm gonna say it, Ian. Fuck you. Fuck Sizzler. Fuck everybody. For one night only at the Expo, not only do you get Uh-oh. Mark St. John, but Eric Carr. Come, it's one day only, and then they're back to the grave, so don't miss it. Kiss.
0: Exclusive kiss news. You heard it here first.
1: That's right. Ain't no ain't no spirit. It's an actual, and believe me, they're very well preserved. You won't even notice they're dead.
0: <laughs> right, but, but the Tommy Thayer is a hologram. We, we just got to let that out. Uh... They Tommy Thayer's not really there. It's a hologram.
1: They were embalmed by Robin Zander. You know that guy does everything perfect. That's right. That's right. Not not one. You know. All right. You know. Uh, Mark St. John lost a little hair. That's about it. A little balding, but I believe uh, the. I believe speaking he'll, of, be, he'll be wearing a hat.
0: Speaking of no hair, have you ever seen his porn collection?
1: Oh, I see. <laughs> I see what you did there. According to Peter Chris. No grass on that field. (laughs) Yeah. And speaking of that, man, I'm seeing Lee in August. (laughs) Lee, 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 Lee. Lee and Bill Wang. I'll be staying at Wang Manor's that I understand is even more classy than the Nashville place.
0: Yes. All right. Well, fuck it. Let's get into the news, shall we?
1: Oh, yeah. Can I go first? Sure. I gotta tell you, man, I was extremely floored by that new uh, movie trailer for the Queen movie.
0: Have I mean, not watched it. Oh Have my god,
1: watched it. dude. It's like, I got, dude, seriously, watching it, I got chills. I mean, that guy looks so much like Freddie Mercury, it's scary. And it's just, and dude, the mannerisms that guy has. Like, yeah. there's a little part of the clip where, you see Brian May doing the solo Bohemian Rhapsody and then he stops and he's like, all right what do you want and then Freddie Mercury goes, oh that's where we that's where we bring in the the, the, uh, the operatic section and he makes this face that Freddie Mercury would always do like he right. open his mouth a little bit and put his tongue on his cheek that little yeah, oh my God I was like, oh my god this guy captured him perfectly and they show Freddie Mercury from sheer heart attack the look and hot space and the game and news of the world all these like different eras of freddy and they look And he, the guy looks incredibly like him it's scary how much he looks like him. and oh my god the trailer is god i'll and, have to check it out it has to be a good movie it just has to be. yeah
0: i was i was really excited when <clears throat> originally sasha baron cohen was gonna play freddy and i was like he could do it you know and i know he's known more for comedy and stuff but the way he gets into his roles and he loves he loves freddy he loves queen so i was like oh that's so awesome but then when he got the script he's like he said hey this is kind of a you know a puff piece you, you know he goes i want to do like the real story and the and the real shit and it seems like you know they just got in disagreements cuz they want to do kind of like a uh i, I don't know kind of like just gloss Everything and you know,
1: well, what I heard was he didn't like the fact that they wanted to start the movie with Freddy dying. Like, the first half of the movie is Freddy dying, and the second half is his history. Oh, that's, so yeah. that, that's that's what I read. He didn't like that, so he pulled out. That's what I okay. read. I don't know okay, that, but I read that as a comment, not like you know, like it was part of an article or something.
0: Uh, Windy Dio is saying, don't criticize this Dio hologram if you haven't seen it. And, uh, still no word on when that's kicking back up. I do know that they kind of went back to the drawing board on this thing because they wanted to tweak some things and saw some improvements. And, uh... I, I think I'd see it if it came around here. I mean, I, I'm not whole, you know. Got my fingers crossed that it's gonna happen in New Orleans. It's hard enough getting real fucking shows here, let alone hologram shows. But uh, I think I'll give it a chance. You know, like I said about the Zappa one, I was talking to some, you know, Zappa fans at the Dweezil show, and I was like, you know, I was kind of against it until I saw the band that's playing with it. You know, and these are musicians I listen to my whole life, so I was like, oh man. It, just to see those musicians play live I'm sold I don't if the hologram looks like shit it looks like shit but just to hear these other people play but with the Dio thing it's kind of the opposite because to me it's like 5th and 4th rate guys who played with Dio but then you got the Dio hologram so the Dio hologram better be on fucking point but I think just to hear that fucking music I'd go check it out as long as it was reasonable you know if it's like fucking you know 100 something for front row yeah I ain't checking that shit out but uh, what about you? You think you'll go see this Dio shit when it comes around?
1: Of course. And I, and I wasn't impressed by the hologram. So hopefully they'll, the, the next hologram they put up, they'll put actual Dio instead of Dio's head on top of Michael Jackson. Because, <laughs> Jesus Christ, those moves that hologram Dio was doing, I was like, that's not, i would never seen Dio do moves like that. It was really strange, man. And I was, you know, before I ever saw the footage, I was one of the Defenders. Say, right. fuck it, man. Don't like it. Don't go. I'm going to see it. And then I saw the footage. I was like, oh, boy. What the fuck's this shit? You know, I was like kind of like taken aback. And I don't know. It was just like, I didn't like it. But hey, I saw Dio Disciples anyway without the hologram. And it was a fun show. Sure, it wasn't as good as Last in Line, but it was pretty good. They had uh, Dookie White and uh, not, did they? Was it Dookie? Uh, Mark Bowles. No, it was Mark Bowles and Oni, uh, the guy from Lynch. Yeah, Oni Logan. I'm all for it. But you know what? I'm all for Wendy Deal making a lot of money and picking the bones of Ronnie James Dio because fuck it, man. She managed them. She was by his side. Uh, they, they were dirt poor together when he got fired from Rainbow. And they were just trying to make a, a living. And, you know, she struggled, dude. So, <clears throat> fuck everybody. Fuck you. Fuck all you motherfuckers, man. Thank you. All right. I, I respect for Wendy, man. I don't care. Let her make her money how she wants to, man. She managed Dio. She has as much right to his music than he ha, he ever has all through his career too. She helped him. She was there during the hard times. So she and she never ever, uh, you know, left Dio. You know, she was right. with him till the end. And she was and- there when he was dying in his bed. So fuck
0: you. Yeah. And and also, she does raise a lot of money for his charity and stuff, yeah. so that that's Chil- worthy, uh, you know.
1: Not only cancer, but also Children of the Night. Chil-
0: yes, Children of the Night. You
1: know, and these are, yeah, exactly. So, she's a good woman, man. Fuck you all. And, you know, all you fucking assholes, you guys don't do shit. And, yeah. and you're going to criticize this woman that does so much. Fuck yep. you all.
0: You know, another thing I'd like to see, you know, I love that they put out that live album a couple years ago that had the concert from 83 and the concert from 87 together. And, uh, man, if she could put out some more shit like that, I'd I'd, I'd buy that in a fucking heartbeat. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, let's go from a hologram to a telegram because here's a band that's definitely mailing it in. Uh, And that's Poison, who are getting ready to go out and tour with... Cheap trick opening up. Why are God. we talking about Poison, dude? Well, no, it's, it's kind of funny. Ricky Rocket says he would like Brett Michaels to put a little bit more energy into Poison. And uh, Brett Michaels, the last five years, has really just, like, said, fuck doing a Poison tour. I'm doing my solo shit.
1: Uh, let's cut through the bullshit. The only reason that Brett Michaels is doing a Poison tour is because, uh, you know, his show House of Love made made, a made a lot of you know got his solo career you know a lot of people oh Brett Michaels from the House of Love show let's go see it and now you know years has gone by people are starting to forget it promoters aren't paying as much for his solo shit anymore and uh, he's doing the poison thing because there's more money to be made come on it's all phony fake shit that's poison's always been phony and fake even from the get go from the first fucking album to now you know it's just—it's just a phony fucking band. That's—they're just terrible. I'm sorry if they all look like Udo. Nobody would give a fuck.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're right about that.
1: You know, and that's, but, why, uh, that's my whole point. You know,
0: I—I I, I gotta admit though, I do—I do kind of feel bad for the other three because uh, you know you got a situation there where I mean you know laugh at all the songs you want to, and they are very laugh worthy. But he's like—they can't do. Poison without him, he wrote everything. He is the one that, you know, the girls show up to see. Well, I should say the women now, or
1: the grandmas the,
0: show up to soccer, see
1: the soccer moms,
0: right? Uh, so they're really at hostage, you know, held at hostage when when he wants to go do a solo tour. What are they going to do? And they actually did do a tour called the Special Guests, uh, where they it was it was Bobby Doll and Cece and Ricky. They had another guy singing. They're doing all the poison shit, and but of course it's not going to have the draw because girls just want to see Brett Michaels in his wig out there shaking his ass. And I was I was very proud that uh, when I, I did an episode of Decibel Geek, I, I did uh, six songs that I wanted people to hear. And the week before that, they had an episode with the new singer of poison or you know the special guest whatever they call it but it was poison without you know Brett Michaels but uh I had better numbers <laughs> than the new singer of poison I was like yeah that's awesome nice that's awesome finally finally we win the ugly people win <laughs> but uh yeah man and I can't believe it. fucking cheap trick man and it really breaks my heart but you know what cheap trick they bust their fucking ass And unfortunately, they probably make more money opening up for Poison for a couple of months than what they do on their own. And it's sad, but it's a fact of life. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it's a criminally underrated band. It's it's sickening how, you know, this band, Cheap Trick, is not like, you know, huge. They should be huge because they are like the American Beatles, you know?
0: Yeah, with their catalog, they should be doing fucking stadiums. You know, it's like, what was it, two years ago? It, you know, and I, I told Bill Wang this, and it, and it blew his fucking mind. I believe it's two years ago, the highest grossing tour in the U.S. was Bon Jovi. And he couldn't believe that, but it was true. And my old lady just went and saw Bon Jovi a couple months ago, and she sent me pictures from the... Uh, From the arena here, and dude, it was so fucking out. I could not believe that in this day and age that you can still get that many people at a Bon Jovi concert. But that motherfucker, man, people show up in droves to see that shit. I don't understand it either, but it's true. Like, I I really can't believe that Poison can do a fucking arena tour right now,
1: but they are. Yeah, but we live in a, 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 you know, American Idol's a thing. I mean, you gotta realize that. True. Uh, popular culture is fucking. You know, I wouldn't gone. I wouldn't saw except uh, Udo, Dirk Schneider, in a half empty club. You know, it's like, come right. on, dude. I mean, why? Because he looks like Udo Dirk Schneider. <laughs> right. You know, can you imagine if Poison was the one that wrote fucking, uh, you know, uh, Balls to the Wall and Restless and Wild? I mean, I'd be loving those glam fags. I hear you. You know, hey, you know, I, I love. uh Shout at the Devil. I love night songs. Right. this is a great, you know, this is a great music, you know, but man, Poison is just, dude, it's like the whole band is shitty. I mean, the guy can't sing. Come on. Uh, let's throw The guy that has no octaves. You know, the guy can't scream. He can't do shit. He's just got that one monotone voice. We got this other guy on drums that he takes it up the ass so much he can't even sit on a, a fucking bar stool, uh, drum stool. <laughs> and, and, and the bass player. I mean, is he even plugged in <laughs> and CC? Oh my God. That's slop. And I saw poison. Dude, I saw poison. Number one. And I've never talked about that. You know, I'm always bragging about, it. I saw guns and roses two years before their album was done. Dude, I saw guns and uh, poison at the very same time at, um, I think the place was called Madam Wong or something in 1985. This was before two years, three years before the first album. And I remember seeing that shit going, what the hell is this crap? <laughs> Even back then, I was like, wow, that really sucked. And they were headlining. that a lot of confetti. And it was just so terrible. And I remember they had choreographed moves. It was like watching new kids on the block with guitars. And, <laughs> and, and fucking uh, yeah, it's just, it's just a god-awful band. Now, I understand, dude. I'm not one to... You know, cast, hey, if you like Poison, more power to you. But I kind of like my music with like good songs and good performance. I'm a very, I love singers. I'm a big fan of singers. You know, uh, I love, you know, that's why I love like Graham Bonnet and, and Glenn Hughes and stuff like that. I mean, I just love a good singer. And Bret Michaels is not a good singer at all. The guy has a six pack, that's why he became famous
0: true story. It's
1: the truth and the same the same thing goes with Bon Jovi. Man, I saw what was it that I saw the other day? <clears throat> I saw a Bon Jovi interview. I think it was on Howard Stern or something. Yeah, so so in this interview, man, the way the guy talks, John Bon Jovi. I mean, uh, you know, in his defense, I mean, the guy is a major major rock star adored by billions of people. But boy, does it ever go to his head. The way he talks, his mannerism, he's like, you know, I'm like Cool. Yeah, you know this. And that. He's got—he's—he's he's so full of himself, and it's like, bro, you do realize it's because you're a good-looking dude that you're—you are where you are, you know. Because it's a chick band, yeah. We have, you know, they have a very small percentage of guys. Same thing goes with Poison. This is chick music. It really is. Well, I—I—I
0: I, I mean, I, I definitely get what you're saying, but I know. You know, like some people I know that love poison, uh Bushy, uh Chris Sinzak and Eric Camaro, they both are unabashed poison fans and, and they like some harder shit too. Uh look at Steven Kirsch, man. Steven Kirsch, he likes some good shit, but he likes Bon Jovi. Well you there's know?
1: exceptions to everything, but you know what right. I'm talking about. Oh like yeah, the, for the for the most part. Yeah, yeah, like like those, you know, those kids that pick their nose and put it in their mouth. That's what I'm talking about. Right. Well, I
0: I, I I do agree though that it's definitely it, it it's kitty music. It, yeah. it it is kitty music and I also agree that that nobody would care if they were ugly. You know, especially the the, the female fans. Like I always, you know, joke with my old lady who fucking you know, it, refuses to admit that Motley Crue isn't a three-piece. <laughs> you know, cuz she refuses to admit McMa- admit that there's McMars in the band. You know, because the others are so cute, you know, and uh, she's a chick. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's who still goes and sees them is, is is chicks. You know, bunch of bunch of soccer moms. And the funny thing is, like, I mean, if you showed like th- those people now to like young kids now, like they wouldn't give a fucking flying shit. Like, look at that fruit. You know, who's this old man? <laughs> you know, it's it's soccer moms that are still going to that shit.
1: And don't get me wrong. I'm sure the guys in Poison and the guys in Bon Jovi are nice guys. I'm not saying they're terrible people. I mean, I know Bon Jovi feeds the homeless. He's a good guy. But I just feel like
0: he's a douchebag too. I know. He, don't go.
1: Don't go into the whole. I know the station fire thing. We. I think the fans uh, have heard this
0: shit way too many times. Oh no no, but also I like the what like he got so mad about Guns N' Roses going in before him in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well
1: that that there goes what I was saying about his interviews. He's very yeah. full of himself.
0: Oh yeah, he, he really went off on that. Stern I was listening to Stern this morning, uh, right when you called and he just got done talking about how important it was to Bonjo to John Bon Jovi that they got in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, that was like a huge, huge thing with him. And he got so mad about Guns N' Roses, he goes, he goes, fuck them, Rose is a fucking lunatic. They only did one fucking album. Look what I've done. Fuck Guns N' Roses. Why do people care about Guns N'
1: Roses? Me, me, me.
0: You know, like.
1: Look what I've done. Yeah. Fuck him. (laughs) But he feeds the homeless, so yeah, he's all right. Yeah, there you go. But, but, you know, it's just, I don't know, man. It's just processed bullshit. The, the, re, the, re, but you know I mean? Uh, the reason there was a backlash and grunge is because Bon Jovi spearheaded the way. He really did. And Poison was one of them, one of the many bands that became very successful just riding coattails. Oh,
0: yeah. You know, but, but, uh, did the, you, you you can't uh, underestimate though the impact because look that motherfucker had uh, Kiss doing Bon Jovi music that had fucking Judas Priest doing Bon Jovi shit <laughs> you know like all these uh, like legendary bands uh you know because they saw that was the new thing man he did have an impact but it was more you know visually than it was musically
1: but but my point is it doesn't matter if it was any other Pretty Boy band that would have had. Got huge uh, during the '80s. Yeah. Uh, Priest and all these bands would have imitated those as well. It's not Bon Jovi. It's just his fame did it. You know, this guy's terrible. He's just a terrible, terrible. But he, he's another one that doesn't have a good voice. It's all one. I mean, one monotone. I, I, I remember when he hit the high notes and run away? Oh my god! Talk about a bitch voice. Udo still does that high note and fight, uh, fight it back. He still right. does, he does it actually, when he did Fast as the Shark, uh, like a couple months when I saw him, he hit that note higher than he did on the record. It was like, what the fuck? You know, it's like, fuck these guys, man. And they, these are guys that tour, that are still touring now to little audiences. You think Bonfony and Poison, well, Poison already proves they wouldn't do it. Look, back then I hated it, today I even hate it. And I'm not one of these thrasher that hates glam rock, because I, I love night songs. I love I love shit that's good. I liked Uncle Tom's Cabin from a band I absolutely hated. You know, I'm not the, you know and I like a Bon Jovi song. I like a song that he did called If I Was Your Mother. I think it's a really cool song. Never. Poison? Poison? No, but yeah, they are hilarious. Mama let me go to the show. Maybe their best com- <laughs> the best comedy song ever. Move over, Tenacious D. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, next story, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this one. Women's act adv- ad- how do I say this? Word? Advocacy, yeah, advocacy. Women's advocacy groups are calling for uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Steven Tyler, uh, Don Henley, and Ted Nugent all to be dropped from Spotify uh, because of a la- uh, alleged. Uh, female abuse uh, allegations against them.
1: You know know that me again thing that's going on?
0: That me too. Me too. Right.
1: You ever notice it has a pound sign in front of it? Right. Pound (laughs) pound me too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like
0: they're they're asking for it.
1: (laughs) I read that and I'm like, all right, baby. Like, you know, the other day, my job sent me on a sexual harassment class. I left there so pissed. They didn't show me how to sexually harass anybody. Like, what kind of class is this? Anyway, um, ah, man, you know, you chicks should should shut the fuck up. Go on and fucking XTube and Pornhub. Go see how real women are. Chicks that don't give a fuck. Oh, I want to be treated like a lady. Hey, that's fine. You want to be treated like a lady. But let the sluts be sluts. Steven Tyler and Red Hot Chili Peppers are talking about chicks they boned you think they talk about you bitch They, you know they're like oh you think I'm gonna you think I'm gonna put my mouth on that I don't want them to speak for all the women I stand up for sluts I, and, and let me tell you the slut to me is not a bad word because I will tell you this right now all you so-called chicks that think you're sluts fuck you I will out you. you want me to prove it get in my bedroom I will out you all I'm a bigger slut than any fucking girl on this planet and I respect girls that try to be as slutty as me. And that's who Steven Tyler and Red Child Chili Pepper are. Talking. So this is a form of censorship over chicks that like fucking, that like doing crazy fucking shit, that love licking ass, that love fucking sucking dicks and not fear the taste of pre <laughs>
0: Right. Well, uh, apparently Spotify does have some new policy and has dropped a couple of artists because of this shit. Uh, one of them being R Kelly and another one, triple X station or something. I've never, but I believe they're both rap artists. So it's, it's, it's kind of funny. You know, the, the, the black artists are getting dropped. Let's see if they, they, you know, get rid of the white artists that sell a lot of records. Uh and you know normally I can't stand the people who comment on Blabbermouth but one person did bring up a great point he's like oh Jesus Christ what about you know are they gonna is Spotify gonna kick off the Beatles you know uh, know, John Lennon beat his wife you know he's got songs where I'd rather see you dead little girl than to see you with another man you know shit like that like
1: how far
0: are they gonna take this shit
1: that's right. You, you give them rope, and, and they'll fucking tug and tug. And, you know, uh, I, I'm telling you, man, you give these people an inch, they're going to take fucking miles and miles and miles. And I say it should be stomped out. It is a form of censorship. I mean, I understand. Okay, R. Kelly, I mean, didn't he fuck a little girl or something? I mean, I think he had sex with underage chicks. Okay, I can understand that. Pull pull pedophiles off it. But don't fucking fuck with people that, that, that are having... Willing, consenting adult females that want to go and get fucking pig roasted by two band members at the same time.
0: Spotify is not for music
1: fans. I don't have Spotify. No, you know, Spotify is for
0: 14-year-old bitches who just want to hear what's on the radio. If you're a real music fan... You buy the fucking album, and you can upload it on your fucking iTunes, or you put it on your phone that way. That's for people who are so uninterested in music that they don't even buy fucking albums. I just want to hear that song. I just want to hear this one song because I don't give a fuck about music. I don't buy albums. I don't ugh. go fuck yourself. You know that's all. Problem with music is cocksuckers like this who who don't even they don't even want to support artists or buy a band that they believe in. They just want to hear that song they heard in the fucking club, you know. So fuck them, fuck them, fuck them. You know, you know that that, that that's more offensive to me than uh, you know Don Henley and the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Ted Nugent pulling a train on some twelve-year-old girl who probably wanted it anyway. Fuck
1: them. You know, pound, whole, pound yeah. me too. <laughs> that whole speech you just said of fuck those fans and shit, that reminds me a lot of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He said the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, back then. <laughs> there was Spotify back then. I don't know if you know this.
0: Yeah, but but it was horrible music.
1: Yeah, well, what do you expect?
0: Yeah, it's Spotify.
1: They didn't have electricity back then. They were beating uh, on coconuts.
0: <laughs> Alright, well, here's a, a band that, uh, man, people are waiting for this fucking album, and you are not one of them. Um. Uh, but Toolfront, man, Maynard James Keenan uh, was on stage recently and and just like, you know, bitch to his band. Like, please finish the fucking album already so I can put the vocals on it and and the fans can get the new record. He's kind of blaming the rest of the band for not getting on board.
1: Wow. Uh, the Tool and and I have something in common now.
0: <laughs> and, uh... You know, there's a couple things I, I wanted to ask you, and I, th- I think you have unique input because you are in a band. Um, first of all, uh, just out of curiosity, I know you don't like Tool. Is there a specific thing that turns you off? Because they do have a huge following, but you are not one of them. What is it about Tool that uh, that turns you off so much?
1: It sounds too artsy fartsy, but I will tell you, I really enjoy their first EP. That first thing they released, Right. I, mean, I like that a lot, actually. Right. But I think they got a little too artsy fartsy with the claymation music, whatever. That hunger, whatever, whatever that fucking song was. Uh, it just does nothing for me. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't resonate with me whatsoever. I just can't. There's so many popular, like Queen of the Stone. I mean, I, Foo Fighters all this modern shit, I just, Primus, I mean, it just doesn't resonate, it doesn't, it doesn't do nothing to me, it just, I don't know, it's just there, you know, it's like, it doesn't keep my interest, I listen to it, and I zone out, and I want to listen to Black Sabbath.
0: Well, no, no, I mean, I understand that, you know, I was just wondering if there was like, you know, like one or two things, because we've, we've talked about this before, there's some bands that other people love, but it's like, Ugh, the singer just gets on my nerves. No, you know,
1: it's, or... no, I think Maynard's a good singer. I think that guy from Slipknot's a great singer. Just does nothing for me, you know? Okay. I mean, I can appre- look, I think Kanye West is a good singer. I do. And that's the most hated guy on the planet. I was in I'll never forget, I was in a JC or some shit with uh Bella, my, my my hot redhead girl that doesn't like metal. And and a Kanye West song comes on. And I'm not digging the music, but I'm like, hey, man, that guy's got a good voice. Whoever that is, she's like, that's Kanye West. I was like, what? That's that guy everybody hates? Damn, he's got a good voice. You know? I, like I said earlier, I love singers. I Wait. really love singers. Hold the phone here.
0: Bella doesn't like metal?
1: No, she's not a metal fan. That's wow. why me and her get along great. And I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to be mean to metal girls, but... I seem to have a better relationship with girls that don't like metal than girls that like metal Uh, and because I mean I'm not saying look I'm not saying all girls are like this don't get me wrong because there's a lot of potential metal girls out there that like licking ass and I don't want to ruin it with them but I'm just saying for the most part in my experience with girls that I've dated that like metal they're not very faithful they're very mean they have bad alcohol problems and they're not like you know uh, you know the, uh, the Ian Waddley drunk, that that's fun and lovable. They're more like the Ian Waddley creatures of the night drunk. <laughs> they're, they're just fucking mean people, you know. And okay. uh, but,
0: I, I see where this is going. Next story. <laughs> but, but
1: man, that shit still that shit still resonates with you, huh? But but um, you know. But then you know, I mean, I had my girl. You know, my last girlfriend Kathy. She loves the black metal and stuff like that. She's an awesome chick. You know, and she's not a drunk or anything like that. She drinks, but you know, she's not a mean person. But so, so what does Bella listen to? Well, obviously Kanye West. She knew who that was. Oh, okay. I never, you know, she doesn't seem like to be a music fan at all. Because uh, I've been to her house, I don't know how many times. I've never seen a CD, a record, nothing there. Uh, I've never listened to music with her when I'm with her. Um, She's—I don't know what she's into. I really don't care either. All I care about is that girl. Is the most amazing sexual partner I've ever had in my life, and she doesn't want a relationship, and she's fine with me fucking other people, and she fucked other people, and it's a beautiful thing. It's this fucking—we have this connection that is unbelievably awesome.
0: Yeah, she can't even commit to a band, let alone a man.
1: <laughs> no, she does have a Thrasher eye shirt because she oh. like she liked the way it looked.
0: Ah, oh, 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 that drives me nuts.
1: I, it doesn't drive me nuts. So, you know what drives me nuts? My nuts over her head. Wow. When I drive, <laughs> yeah, when I put my nuts over her chin, that's what drives me nuts. I love driving my nuts on her face. <laughs>
0: well, speaking of that, here's a sad story. Uh, oh, my God. Kurt Cobain's daughter loses her dad's guitar in divorce settlement.
1: Damn, that chick was already married, huh?
0: Yeah. And, and man, like, like this kid doesn't even have enough fucked up life, even though the kid probably has money. You know, but money doesn't solve everything, but hell, hell I'll, I'll take money and misery over misery and broke. But uh, yeah, she lost the, the guitar that, her, that Kurt Cobain played in the infamous MTV Unplugged as part of a divorce settlement. And he's saying that she gave it to him as a gift when they were dating. And she said she never did it, but just to get the divorce finalized, he ended up with it. And I think that's fucking terrible. You know, like I wouldn't take that from somebody You know, that's yeah, it's something a
1: dead dad. What a scumbag.
0: That's what I'm saying. Was... I mean, obviously you married a fucking douchebag if he would take even if you set it like in the heat of passion or like, you know, oh I love you here, have this, play this. If you don't want to be with that girl no more and you I mean, look. Her, her dad's fucking dead. Her mom's batshit fucking crazy. She's probably had a pretty fucked up life. And you're going to take her dad's guitar... And, and let's be honest, probably because he could get fucking... You know, um, some asshole would pay a million for it on eBay or some shit. You know what I mean? Dad's pretty fucking low down. And I, I gotta say, I feel for the chick, you know? That sucks. Yeah.
1: Because
0: I, I told, uh you know, him my grandmother's ring to make a ring for his wife. And, uh, but I said this, I said, Hey, I wish you nothing but the best. And, and, and I hope this is one of those marriages that lasts forever. But if it goes South, you get that fucking ring back. Cause that's your fucking grandma. Wadley's ring. And that shit ain't fucking leaving. I'm like, I want that fucking shit. known. <laughs> that shit stays in the fucking family. You know, yeah,
1: you know, it's going to happen.
0: Oh, oh, I hope not. I hope not. But if it do, I want that fucking ring back, motherfucker.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm banking on it not happening because broken home, daughter turns 18, my ass is licked. Oh,
0: Oh, God. Oh, your balls will be to your knees by then.
1: That's right. And (laughs) she'll be on her knees. Oh! (laughs) Oh. Licking those balls from the floor. Oh!
0: I'm gonna go crazy like Andrew Jacobs. Ah!
1: I'll be right up the ass, little granddaughter Waddley. Come on, up the ass! <laughs> I don't feel that tongue up my ass yet! Hey granddaughter Waddley, no fingers up there. <laughs> I know you love doing that, because you know, all those all those Johns you fuck all the time, but no no
0: not with me. <laughs> don't judge my granddaughter by my mother. Eighteen more years I will. <laughs> oh boy. Nobody ain't pretty. <laughs> all right well did you see uh the the cover in the track listing for d snyder's new album for the love of metal
1: yes and you know what i heard what did you hear? i read um it's gonna have like toxic holocaust elements on it i'm like what so it's gonna be pretty brutal metal not like you know twisted Sister shit it's gonna be like more thrash i mean i read that I was like, "Wow, that's gonna be unique."
0: Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I had very low expectations, so it probably won't take a lot to uh, please me.
1: I just, i am you know, the type that I, I'll wait to hear it. I'm not gonna—that tr- doesn't. Tr-
0: that. Right. I hope it's good, though. I want it to be good because I'd love to hear some great metal with those vocals behind it. Alright, well, last story and I wish I would have heard this ahead of time so I had some more info but Alice in Chains performed their new single, The One You Know live in New York City. Did you see this footage, Rob? No, but
1: I heard the song and I absolutely loved it.
0: Oh, I mean, did they release a studio version or you just heard the live version?
1: I guess a live... I've heard something like weeks ago. It was a brand new song. I can't remember if it was live or not, but it was really good.
0: Oh, man. Uh, and ha- you have seen Alice in Chains with uh, the new singer, William Duvall, huh?
1: Once, yes. Yeah,
0: and, and you dug it?
1: Loved it. He was awesome. The guy's awesome.
0: Awesome, man. Well, that, that, man, I'm very excited for that. They are one of those bands I feel never put out a bad album. spoiler alert, I guess. Uh, even though you said you didn't care too much for the last album, Devil Put Dinosaurs, here, uh, I enjoyed it very much, and I'm hoping to finally get to see these guys live, Uh, because I, man, that's one of those, I'm like, uh, how do you replace Lane, and you really, you don't replace Lane, but you just adapt and do something, you know, I I think they stayed true to the sound of the band, you know, Uh, they didn't sell out, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it, I know there was somebody on her Facebook page the other day, we're incredible live, so, very eagerly looking forward to that. But as we look forward to the future, I say let's go back in the past. Talk about their second full-length album, Dirt, for my brother Ed Goat. What do you say, Ralph? You ready? No. Oh, okay. All right. Let's, we'll
1: just, wait. let's just sit here for thirty minutes of silence. Okay.
0: Through the magic of editing, here's the episode.
1: Wow. Yeah. Thirty minutes later. All right, now it's time to review the 1993? Two, you motherfucker. album from Mouse and Chains, Dirt. Oh, yeah, I'm drinking. I don't give a fuck. I'm
0: getting drunk.
1: It's, it's Ian, birthday. Yeah, it's Ian's birthday. We're recording this at 3 in the afternoon. Ian has been drinking since 8 a.m., so uh, we might as well plow into this right now before he passes out. And, uh, Ian, why don't you tell yes, the fo- why don't you tell the folks first time you heard Dirt? Uh,
0: well, the first time I heard anything of Dirt would have been the song Wood, uh, from the single soundtrack. That one came out in, uh, early <laughs> summer 92. And I was like, oh, fuck, is that a good song? Uh, I was a fan of what I previously heard of Alice in Chains, but I never, ever did... By I like the songs I heard off of it, but for whatever reason, uh, maybe because it was played all the time, I never bought it. But I liked it. Uh, but man, when I heard Wood, I was like, "Holy shit!" And uh, you know what a time my beloved rock—you uh, know—had gone to shit. It's getting killed off, and rightfully so. I, I mean, because it was—it was so bad by that time. It needed to be killed. And what a band to do it, you know? Than Allison Chains. To me, they—they uh, they are really like the American Black Sabbath. They—they uh, they have a a sound and tone that is all their own. An incredible guitar player. That the minute you hear it, you know it's Jerry Cantrell. Uh, the harmonies between him and Lane Staley are fucking undeniable. Uh, So, yeah, I was hooked. I was like, oh, Lord, and I couldn't wait for this record. And uh, when it came out, man, I was in the middle of a major uh, drug experimental phase. So it was like the perfect drug album at the right time. Uh, To me, this is the greatest drug album of all fucking time. Uh, Huge fan of this band. I've never seen them live in any incarnation, and that sucks, but... uh, I'm a big fan of them. I think one of these bands you talk about never made a bad album. I think they've never, ever made a bad album. I don't care if it's with Lane or the new singer Willie Duvall. Uh, Fucking amazing. Love this shit. Goddamn good fucking
1: music. Yeah. um, I got into them prior to Man in the Box because I saw We Die Young. And, uh, that video was, I, I, am pretty sure that video came out with it before. Cause I remember, uh, man in the box was, I already had the album and, uh, we die young made me run out and buy it. I was like, Ooh, that riff is so killer. This this band is different. You know, I never heard shit like this. The video's awesome. And I absolutely loved it. Really got into facelift. I love facelift almost. This is my favorite one, dirt, but facelift is very close. And, uh. So uh, uh, I saw them open for the Thrash of the Titans tour, and I was really, really disappointed with the crowd. But they were awesome. Uh, they came out, and every member was playing a different instrument. Like the singer was the the drummer. Lane was on drums. Mike Starr was on guitar. And and uh, Jerry was on bass. And they just came out singing a song called Fuck You. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. I'll never forget that. Because I guess they knew what they were in for, since they've been suffering. What I saw after they played "Fuck You, Fuck You," uh, the crowd just was not getting it. They just did not like them, and uh, and I was kind of pissed, you know. I was loving it, you know, because they played uh, most of the album, uh, my favorite songs they played, and uh, but they didn't go over well. Uh, and I'm sure that because what I saw was the very last date of the Thrash of the Titans um, Clash of the Titans or at uh, the Miami Arena where Slayer recorded their live album the day for day before at Lakeland. And uh yeah was, and then like you know a few months later everybody in that crowd likes Allison James more than any, all three bands combined, you know? Because they became so huge after this actually I remember Man in the Box is already out. But you know Thrash fans they, they, they don't want nothing to do with it. Oh, it's a popular song from a band that's not thrash? Fuck you, you know? That's the mentality of like the, the thrash fans back then. But then they became more accepting. <clears throat> and then everybody loved Alice in Chains. I did see the Dirt Tour, too, so I was lucky enough to see them twice. Um, but by the time I saw the Dirt Tour, Mike Starr wasn't there anymore. They already had uh, Mike Inez. So, uh, yeah, like you, the first song I heard was Wood. I actually bought... The single soundtrack just because of that song. And <laughs> I still have it on CD. <clears throat> and um, then I saw Them Bones on uh, on MTV, on Headbangers Ball, world premiere. And I was like, dude, this song is their best song ever. Oh, my God. You know, I'll get into Them Bones later. So, of course, I ran out and bought Dirt. And I'll be honest with you. Uh, I loved it the first listen. Loved it. But the more I listened to it, the more I fell in love with it. Because there are certain songs that I was kind of like, yeah, it's cool. But then later it's like, what do you mean cool? The shit fucking rules. This song is fucking amazing, but I didn't get it. This is one of those bands you got to listen to a while. Even Facelift. Uh, there's some songs on Facelift that I didn't get at first. You know, I didn't hate it, but it was like, oh, you know, because you know, you know the thing about Alice in Change is they were so unique and so original and so new that, you know, if you're going to jump in a pool of cold fucking water, which was th- what they were, you got to stay in that pool a little bit so your body temperature can, can uh, you know, adapt. And that's exactly what it's like when you get into bands that aren't the norm. Dude, like, like I'll give you an example. That song, I Can't Remember, off fac- Facelift, it was like, yeah, whatever. Now it's like, goddamn, that's a masterpiece. You know, and there's a, a bunch of other songs on there, you know, like CSR bleed the freak. And, you know, they're just fucking amazing. But, you know, when I first heard it, it was all about we die young. Oh, man, that song's the best, you know. But then when I look, dwell more into it and the same thing with dirt, the dirt was the same fucking thing now it's like my favorite song from the dirt is not them bones when it was when I first bought it. You know what I mean? But anyway, it's a fucking masterpiece. What can I say? And this was a band that, yeah, I agree. They never made a bad album. I, <clears throat> I'll i be honest, the last one, I know they have a new one coming out now. The last one I couldn't get into, but I never really jumped in enough. So I need to, like, give that one more of a chance. I saw the tour, which was cool. Uh, so yeah, technically I've seen them three times, but not only twice with Lane, you know. But um, yeah, so uh, you want to jump into this motherfucker? Yeah! Well, birthday boy, take track one
0: holy fucking shit this track is pummeling this is sabbath for the 90s and i say that not because i believe they sound like black sabbath but because they have the heaviness and the the diversity of black Sabbath. they're not a one trick pony uh they can go in many directions and that's part of what i love about sabbath and it's definitely part of what i love about alice in chains uh you have a guitar player in Jerry Cantrell that you know it when you hear it that it's Jerry Cantrell. Two amazing voices uh, in Jerry and Lane. And a lot of people didn't realize till later like how much of part of the sound uh, Jerry was with backing up his vocals and stuff like that and, and the harmonizing and shit. Uh, this shit is killer. And, and what a way to start off this perfect fucking album, Uh, Them Bones. Absolutely amazing.
1: Yeah, like I said, man, when I saw the world premiere of this, you know, with them, like, in a cave, intertwined with footage of, like, black widows and sharks and other nature creatures that will fuck you up, like this song, that opening riff, those dark harmonies, this song is reeking of classic. Nothing grunge about this song at all. It's metal as fuck. This is, this is the evolution of metal right here. This is where metal went in the nineties and it still remained metal. I don't give a fuck about, it. and I'll go into later why I think they were labeled grunge, which is a legitimate reason to label them grunge. But musically, this shit was metal, man. This shit, this, this ain't no alternative. This ain't no fucking, you know, uh, whatever other fucking label you want. This is heavy fucking metal that Alice Shane's got it. You know, like other bands, like, and bands I love, don't get me wrong, they never really pushed the envelope. They stayed in that box. You know, I mean, bands I love, you know. Uh, but, you know, there, there's some bands that added a new element. Like, you know, Fast as a Shark, I accept, you know, the double bass drums and stuff like that. But it's the most part, except was uh, a hybrid of Judas Priest. These guys were Alice in Chains. Yes, they have some Sad thing You hear some influences, but that harmony is what set them apart from everybody else, including the grunge bands, you know? So, yeah, them bones is fucking amazing. All right, I'll go to the next one. Damn the river. Oh, fuck. One-two punch right here. Another killer heavy dark song. When Lane goes on that, on that chorus, it gives me chick, like... Oh, you can damn the river, that part. Fuck yeah, man. This was so... Oh,
0: but I don't give a damn any word. Sorry, I had to go.
1: Can you turn down the Allison Chain, please? Try to do it. Can you, can you turn off that CD, please? <laughs> this was such an original band with these amazing harmonies. Slabs you right over the melon hard. And uh, like the last one, you know, it's a short, effective tune that... Uh, that is complete you don't want to add another second another element another riff another vocal you don't want to add nothing to damn the river it ends perfectly it starts perfectly all the elements are within the song it's a fucking classic one of my favorites on here what do you think
0: i love it man that sound that tone cantrell is a fucking master and what a voice from lane and uh what's weird i mean you talked about how they got lumped in with grunge and the funny thing is to me they're more traditional metal but at that time it was so different than what was being called metal i mean you had shit like steelheart was being called fucking metal okay <laughs> you know this is a band doing it 100 percent from the heart and lane cut his hair for this album <laughs> you know i think between lane cutting his hair and it just being so traditional metal that it was considered alternative, that's why it was called that.
1: I think, because... I think, Ian, uh, not to cut you off, I think he cut oh. it during uh, Facelift. Right, but well, you know what I'm saying,
0: you know, the videos for Facelift and all that I shit. Think, you know, I think,
1: had... I think, what was the the last video for Facelift? He had short hair, uh, whatever
0: it was. Oh. Okay,
1: I can't remember what, well, what video it was
0: Whatever, but, I, but I'm saying they kind of had that look You know, they weren't dressed like a bunch of Fucking uh, uh, Poofters, you know, You know, like a lot of other ba- You know, this come out around the same time as The first Lynch Mob album And I like that shit, but they're not dressed like Lynch Mob, nobody's pouting You know, nobody's uh, like trying to look Pretty, these guys are just like We're on fucking drugs and we're Playing fucking rock and roll You know uh it was real and and that tells you how bad you know hard rock got that something that that was traditional was seemed alternative but i think this band stayed the course and i think they always stayed true where i think other uh bands that had metal leanings uh were scared to embrace their heavy metal side like uh soundgarden i love soundgarden but there was always something like you know, they would much rather be the critic's darling, where I think I think Allison Chain just never gave a fuck, no matter what. They just fouled their heart, uh, stayed the course and thousand points of light. It was fucking amazing, man. I mean, these guys are incredible and damn that river. Oh man, what a one two punch after them bones, like you said. And again, at three minutes and nine seconds. You hit the nail on the head, it doesn't overstay. It's welcome. It comes, it pummels you. It does what it's got to do. It leaves an impact, and then it's gone. Like, next song. Next song. No fat. We're going to trim everything. We're just going to give it to you fucking raw, dog. And I love that. Because then it goes into rain when
1: I die.
0: Which would get ripped off years later by fucking Paul Stanley.
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah, I I thought that. I think it's going to rain.
0: And I like Carnival Souls. Don't get me wrong, but it is—it's—it's it, it's Kiss trying just as bad to be fucking Alice in Chains as they were trying just as bad to be Bon Jovi on on fucking crazy, crazy nights. Uh, but this is the real shit here, and you can tell. I mean, this is this is a band creating something, doing something, believing in something, not copying. This is a band that's trendsetting, not following. You know, something Kiss did ever after fucking Love Gun. Everything else is copying whatever the fuck is current. I don't give a fuck. Fuck you. I don't care if you like a Kiss album. Everything they did after that was chasing the fucking dragon. But this song is the fucking dragon. And Rain When I Die. Oh, my God. And, and just the, the fucking wah-wah on that guitar. And, oh, my God. it It's amazing. It's dark. Uh, but it's sincere. I mean, what I love about Alice in Chains is uh, they did, much like Black Sabbath to me, they did dark music, but they did not fall into self pity, which was a big thing with the grunge scene and, and, and the music that would come after. Uh, uh, life is hard. Daddy didn't play Kedge with me, or Daddy fucked me. I'm Andrew Jacobs. Wham, win wham. Win, win. My wife looks like a platypus. Uh, uh, life is hard, you know. You know, Allison Chains is like, I'm on fucking drugs. <laughs> okay, here's here's what it is, you know. But it was dark without being woe is me. It's just like a matter of fact, like saying, okay, this is where I'm at. But don't cry for me, fucking Argentina. You know, I'm just fucking relaying the message. And, and that's what I love. I love when shit is dark without being fucking feel sorry for me shit. And then there is some feel sorry for me shit. Like, I love Nine Inch Nails. That has a lot of wham wham shit. Um, but, man, there was so many. That became the hip thing. Uh, like, wah, wah. I fucking hate that shit. You can be dark without being a fucking pussy. And Alice in Chains was the relevant real deal Holyfield. So now all you hookers and hoes know how I feel. Rain when I die, fucking masterpiece,
1: I think. This one slows it down with such a dark groove. Killer intro to that killer riff. This song flows so perfectly. And Lane has such an amazing voice. And then when Jerry add, you know, adds to it, this chemistry that made them stand out as one of the best bands in, in the 90s. Definitely the best of the quote unquote grunge bands that the media painted them. But they were so much more than that. What fucking band sounded like Alice in Chains that was grunge? Or metal for that matter, you know? I mean, uh, vocally. They really did, you know, it's almost like, uh, I don't know, for lack of better uh, band, like uh, Everly Brothers or something like that. You know, those harmony bands back in the day. Okay. You know, they, they you know, they, no bands were doing that, you know, and, and, and they really like used it a lot, but what was so cool about it was they would use it at the key moments of songs like in this song, you know, it's like when Lane sings along, alone, that's when he's supposed to sing along. When Jerry comes in, that's when he's supposed to come in. It adds... So much cool shit to what, you know, rain when I die is, is, is just a fucking beautifully dark fucked up song. You know, I love it.
0: Yeah. Down the holes next.
1: Oh my God. Gorgeous. You know, uh, you know, you know, strip away everything you've heard so far. And this is, you know, this, now this is what I call a fucking ballad. Not this every rose bullshit. This is the real shit. And those lyrics, man, you know, I mean, how genius is it when it's like, Down in a hole they put me, all the stones in their place. I've eaten the sun so my tongue has been burned of the taste. How fucking awesome is those lyrics? A dark, beautiful ballad, a a combination uh, that really does not go together. You know, it's a darkness and ballady, but... Unless you are a genius band like this band, "Down a Hole," it's amazing, an amazing fucking song. Love it. What do you think?
0: Oh my god, this this is the the, the standard right here, and uh, you know, I, and I, I I'm not trying to fight with you, I'm not trying to argue with you, but you know, uh, when you you stick up for horrible fucking shit on fucking Chinese democracy, I'm like this. This is a ballad. This is a... You know, but this borderline's on a fucking dirge. This is real shit. This isn't like, Oh, Stephanie Seymour broke my heart. Yeah. This is like, I'm fucking hooked on drugs and I'm gonna fucking die shit. I mean, this is real. This is real shit. And you can feel it. You can feel it in every... Like, none of this is fake. None of this is like oh, this is going to be the song on the album that takes off. No, this comes from a real place of despair and, and and sorrow. But once again, it's not asking you as the listener to feel sorry for me, to feel pity. You know, like, ooh, I got white people problems. No, this is like I'm deep in the throes of fucking drug addiction. Uh, you know, and yeah, you do that to yourself. I understand that. But you know what I mean? This is like real life and death shit. Not like, Ugh, she didn't like my fucking post. You know, which is what I hear when I hear that fucking Chinese democracy bullshit. This is real like, oh fuck, I got in, I got myself into something. I don't know how I'm gonna get out of this motherfucker. I am down in a fucking hole. And, uh, and it just makes the song powerful. And, you know, it reminds me there, we talked about Aerosmith and how in the 70s, Aerosmith ballads were so honest and sincere and, and like, they came out of place of necessity. Not like, oh, we got, we, we got to hit that white girl market. You know, 14-year-old white girls got to feel what we're doing. No, this is like, this is a band being honest, singing what they know about, playing what they know about. And, uh... And that's why it leaves that impact down in a hole this is some real fucking shit i love this song well, fucking I, high.
1: I, on my defense with the chinese democracy little dig you did at me which which it, which is very which i i applaud you and you do make a lot of sense but i do have a defense on it because i was raised in the 70s where i heard aerosmith saying you see me crying. Wah, wah. And I love that too. And there's a lot of Elton John in those ballads. And I love Elton John. So that's that's my defensive. But you know what? Uh, I
0: love that shit too, though.
1: But, but, I love that. I love that well, shit. Well, that's, that's why I... I and you got to understand, man. You see... I showed you pictures of the Guns N' Roses. Girl.
0: Come what, on. A what, what a rack. What a rack. What a
1: face. And my favorite part of a girl is a face. And that girl... I mean, yeah. What a body. Fuck the rack. Everything about it. She was perfect, dude. That girl could not come unless she licked my ass. She played with herself. I couldn't make her come fucking her. I couldn't do it. Right. The only way that girl can come was playing with herself and licking my ass. I mean, come and that and that beauty doing that. And then I, I had to let that go. The torture. You have to sympathize that, dude. No wonder. You were so tortured. You actually like those Chinese you songs. I can identify with your torture. Right, but what what I'm saying though is is you've lived long enough. I mean, you've got
0: more experience than me. You know, through living a long life, uh, there's there's the torture and the pain that you get from a woman. Yeah. That 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 it, while you're in the midst of it, it seems like that is the worst thing ever. You're like, oh god, I'll never do this. And then there's real life shit that is way more like serious than that. And and then that, you know, I stress that to our younger listeners who like, you know, I remember being in high school. Anytime you broke up with a girlfriend, that was the fucking end of the world. That ain't fucking shit. That is nothing. <laughs> you know, you know, women problems are nothing in the grand schemes of life. It's it's nothing. It's a fucking fart, dude. It's a fucking popcorn fart.
1: Yeah, my point is is that I I love the Chinese monkey but on the other hand, you want to switch it over. You listen to shit like "Every Rose Has Its Thorn," or uh, what's that song from Doctor Feelgood? Um, uh, what is it? Uh, without uh, you? Yeah, I love it.
0: No, but what I'm saying is like, you and know, you love is, without I'm, you, don't you? Uh, no, no,
1: I. I oh, you're I want one to goof I'm, on me.
0: And that kid
1: is down in a hole. Yeah, down in a hole. (laughs) And an appropriate title for our subject. Because believe me, man, yeah, he may be talking about drugs, but I was down in a hole because of the vagina. Sick, man. Oh, my God. This one has some insane changes. That it's just so perfect. Killer verse, killer riff. And then it goes into this, like, circus-type madness to that doomy section. Another example how this band followed their own path. Nothing normal about this song or band. And it's a genius song, man. Don't you think? Oh,
0: fuck yeah. Uh, I love this. And uh, to me, it reminds me of something I was real big in at the time was acid. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking about real acid. Not the, you know, the the strychnine shit or the fucking ecstasy and all that bullshit. I'm talking about real fucking acid. And uh, a good buddy of mine who was a weed dealer, he had a line uh, with these deadheads who made their own acid and they they were like, they were like real about, like to them it was like a religious experience. So they used only the proper chemicals, the right shit, they didn't cut no corners and every time the dead would come through town, he would give them a lot of weed. They would give him a lot of acid. And I was doing a lot of acid. Yeah, uh, right around the time this, this album coming out, and uh, it fit perfect. Oh my God, I love it. You know, the, the song changes, uh, tempo changes, shit that seems to come out of nowhere. To me, when I'm listening to it made perfect fucking sense and uh, Sick Man oh my god I mean it's just it's where I was right then I love this fucking song why
1: don't you take the next one
0: alright the next one uh, probably the biggest hit off the album Rooster Uh, an album I I mean a song I never need to hear again but I love it and I respect it. it it's a great great fucking song it's just uh, it, it, it's one of those I never need to hear again but I appreciate it uh, for what it is and it, it reminds me like you know hearing my dad tell stories about Nam and it was written about Jerry Cantrell's dad who was in Nam uh, but you know my dad told me about when he was drafted and he's in basic and you know people are throwing themselves down flight of stairs like you know break a limb you know, so they can get out of fucking going to Vietnam and all the craziness that was, you know, and he would explain to me, uh, like, hey, man, we were the, the, the love children, you know, we were all this, but at the same time, we're getting drafted into fighting this fucking war that we have no idea why and makes no fucking sense. But, you know, here's, you know, the hippies are being asked to do this shit. And how, what a crazy time it was. And that's what I think this song is about. Like the lasting damage it did to Jerry's dad. And, uh, and he wrote about it. And I think it's beautiful. And it's a great fucking song. I mean, it's a goddamn good song. Unfortunately for me, Killed by Radio uh, took a lot of the magic away. I mean, it was never my favorite song on the album. But, I, you know, I liked it. It's definitely a good song. But for me, it's one killed by radio. But it has a lot of meaning. That when I listen to it, man, I, I think of all kinds of different generations and different veterans. And and to me, it's uh, it's a song that's all about veterans and what they really, uh, you know, put up with and how some shit never goes away. And so I'm raising my beer right now to any veteran of a foreign war.
1: What an fucking tense song. You know, and you know, with Jerry's dad that served in Vietnam, in Vietnam telling him all those stories and you know it's like Jerry captured those stories, his dad told them in the lyrics and the music and you know, one of Lane's greatest vocal performance, You know, like, you know he ain't gonna die in those gospel singers, oh man, you just can you just can't, you know, capture that vibe more perfect. Uh, in Rooster, and yeah, the, the the video is fucking perfect. You know how he like has his dad talking, and, and like you know how he pauses and looks away, and you know, and you know the whole Vietnam thing. My take on it was, you know, it was a totally different uh, time where, you know, this is at a time where America was, uh, you know, undefeated. So when they're in v- when we were in Vietnam, getting our ass kicked, the politicos. The you know the the government and all that it's like no 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 we ain't gonna lose the war not well not on my time so we had thousands and thousands and thousands of people die because of these stubborn fucks that didn't oh, yeah. that didn't want to be undefeated. That's the oh, whole yeah. point.
0: And, and and you had people. Uh, my grandfather had a total disrespect for Vietnam. Oh yeah. No. And because how about, he, yeah. because he was like, hey. I was in World War II. He called Vietnam a police detail. He's like that's not a fucking war. I was in a war. But you know what to the motherfuckers who were in Vietnam and I love my grandfather, but to those who were in Vietnam, that's a fucking war. I'm sorry. War is fucking war. You know, but you know they were very disrespected by, you know, not only
1: the protesters but by veterans. Yeah, they you know? they get here from Vietnam and people would be at the airport spitting on them. Yeah, it was yeah. you know these are people that just suffered, you know their friends dying left and right, not knowing yeah. if it was their last day. You know, and
0: and I got all the respect and uh, love and admiration for in the world in any veteran. You
1: know? Yep, me too. Love, love, love the veterans, and too bad more people didn't uh, back in the early seventies. Yeah. All right, I'll take the next one, uh, Junkhead. Oh man, this is my favorite song off the album. And my all-time favorite Allison Chain song. You know, was my drug of choice. What have you got? I don't go broke and I do it a lot. So I said I do I. it a lot. Oh yes. Also sad in reality as the guy, you know, that sang the song had enough money to keep that addiction going. He wasn't broke you know and you know total sabbath worship mixed in with those harmonies on this song i can't express how much i love this song it, it's their best song period in my in my example even though there's a song coming up that is very close uh to being like my favorite song off the album but probably neck and neck man but chunkhead is amazing i don't know i mean there's sometimes you know the songs are so good that it's like i don't want to say the wrong thing i want to stop like Kind of like "Damn the River" and "Them Bones." Just stop! Don't 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 explain anymore. It's just an amazing song that I consider their best song ever. I love it, Junkhead. What do you think?
0: Uh, well, I know, I know the listeners hate this, but man, we agree on this. Not only my favorite song off this album, but my favorite Alice in Chains song of all time. Mine too. Uh, uh, just amazing, and. Uh, Man, it it's it's so dark, but it's real. I mean, I mean, there's something when you hear this, you don't feel like I'm a victim, you know, just like, hey, I did this to myself, I'm fucked, and here's where I'm at, you know. Uh, but I'm still doing it, and you're not gonna change me, and and there's an honesty to this that I I really appreciate, and I'm not. You know, trying to say this is like, oh, th- yeah, pro heroin, Go do heroin. But I'm saying the song itself is coming from an honest place. And that's what makes it so effective. I I, I mean, you hear this song. You hear the despair. He knows it's bad. But he's going to keep going. And he makes no apologies. You know, he asks for no quarter and no quarter given. You know, I mean, it's just oh man and, and 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 the vocals and the music and, oh i mean this is just this is one of the you know i put this shit up with like stargazer you know and, and 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 light in the black i mean not that's the same musically or vocally but i'm saying powerful wise and like uh you know, an all-time song like when you're gonna judge a band, you know, you think of that song, and this is that song with Allison Chains. I mean, this, this is the one. You know, like, oh my God, and and, and you know the, the the despair, and and at the same time the cockiness and the vocals. You know, it's it's like, and I do it a lot. You know, it's like, yeah, I might be fucked up, but I'm handling it you know even though you're not you know it is fucking amazing hands down best song on this album and I agree with you Ralph there's a song that is just a little bit underneath for this but this one uh, you know hats off for Roy Harper this is the fucking best song on the album absolutely love it
1: why don't you take the next one the title track
0: alright holy shit that guitar, uh, you know, you know, when I hear this, you know, it, it just shows you how important Jerry Cantrell was. To me, Jerry Cantrell is the most important member of this band, uh, as is, is much as Lane was too. But you, you know, Jerry not only wrote the music and play it, but he can sing it, you know. And and I, I, I know this firsthand because I was fooled a couple the of times. There's a lot of times like. You think it's Lane singing, but it's actually Jerry. And it's, holy fuck. I mean, just what an amazing track. Uh, Deserves to be a title track. Again, not my favorite. But holy fuck. I mean, this is just a band on fire. I mean, this is the eighth song on this album. Uh, and, And not a loser yet. You know, there's nothing like, okay, you know. Okay, there's the radio song, or here's the filler. No, it just it's it's, it's another track of honest despair, man. I love dirt. What do you think?
1: Lane is fucking intense on this song. The way he belts out those lyrics, that slow grinding song, is just so badass. And and like every song, they know just when to add Jerry to the vocals to make that harmony. You know. Uh. I don't know, it's like, you know, one who doesn't care is not, is, is one who shouldn't be.
0: Be, yeah.
1: Fucking A, right. Anybody whose talent is to make you feel like shit has got to go. You know, I hope one day I am never in that position again. But who knows, maybe I will be dumb enough to have another chick destroy me. But, and I know that's not what this song's about, but it, it, the sentiment's the same. You know, if there's somebody that just is talented to make you feel like shit you know it's like oh my god fuck that person why do you want that person around but I was that person you know I did you know deal with somebody that made me feel like shit and I stuck around and we all
0: did yeah we all
1: did. but you know it's been well what, what year are we in it's been eight years since I've had somebody do that to me. Um, and I think that's a record for me. I don't think I went a, I don't think I went even fucking five years well, back in the day, but yeah, uh, and this song really does like uh, hit me hard as far as the sentiment goes. And yeah, the
0: good about that, though, it's a job, but once you make it through that, you can survive anything. I- I'm saying love wise.
1: Unless you're an idiot like me, because I've been through it more than once. I, I should have learned the first time. Right, but, but you, you
0: even though, I mean I mean you're still open to have your heart broken but you know you will survive well that's you know, what I tell
1: everybody everybody I know that's going through heartache from a breakup I always say to them the same thing I say hey remember that person that broke your heart in high school yeah remember how horrible it was yeah what does that person mean to you now absolutely nothing well that's what this person's gonna mean to you in the future just grind through it because I knew dude I knew with a and Rosen chick as much as I was suffering I knew, I knew, I said, dude, stay away from her and time will heal it. And I, you know, and and there were times my head was like, yeah, time will heal it." my ass. You ain't going to find no girl that gets off licking your ass. I don't care. To me, to me, my mental, you know, my mental, uh, you know, status is more important than getting my ass licked. It's almost, you know, they're close, they're neck and neck. But no, I'd rather be fucking happy than having my ass licked. And look, I'm happy and get my ass licked now. See, it worked out. And I don't miss the Guns N' Roses girl at all. Matter of fact, if that girl ever called me and say, oh, man, I want to lick your ass and just play with myself, I'd say no. I would say no. I'd have to, like, refuse it because there's so much there's so much baggage there and so much hurt and so much pain that, you know, deep inside, even subconsciously or however you want to fucking say it, there's a big part of my mental status that will reject something so glorious as that again because of the pain she put me through. So I never want to have anything to do with that girl ever again. That's what I think. All right, but that's what I think about 3rd I'll go to the next one. God Smack. I never liked this song. You know, sound, you know, lame sounds eerie with the jittery vocals. And uh, but this song never did anything for me. Yeah yeah you know it has some cool changes with the wah guitar sound but to me it's a skipper it's my least favorite song on here and you know to think that shitty band named itself over after this song and that has nothing to do with it just because i don't like the band God uh i never liked the song even back in the day i was like all right this is a clunker uh i never liked Godsmack. smack what do you think
0: well i gotta disagree with you there man i love this one and i love the the chaotic nature of the song. and Yeah, I fucking hate Godsmack too. But uh, man, that wah guitar. What in God's name have you done? Oh, it's fucking amazing. I love that shit. I love how it ends with, uh, you know, for those who don't know, the Iron Gland. Uh, the appearance by Tom Araya. making fun of Iron Man. Uh, I love this fucking song. Um, and, and again, it's, it's, it's a song, you know, he's, uh, this dude is addicted to smack and I'm, I'm very thankful. I, I did heroin once on accident and, uh, I ain't gonna lie and say it wasn't fun, but at the same time, you know, I wasn't planning on it. I didn't know I took heroin and, uh, you know, everything that I know about it. Man, I would never advise anybody to do that shit If Lemmy says uh, Excuse me If Lemmy says don't do it Don't fucking do it
1: right, Ian, why don't you take the next song Hate to Feel
0: Ooh Hate to Feel, holy shit Uh Now now, uh, Junkhead is definitely my favorite song And now This one is tied with another one For my second favorite Oh my God! Hate the feel. Uh, all this time I swore I'd never be like my old man. Oh what the hey! It's time to face exactly who I am. Oh my God! Is this a fucking powerful song? Uh, and this talks about a lot of things. It talks about like uh, addiction through generations and. Uh, and how you try to escape shit, but sometimes you become what you hate. And, uh, oh, man. Just a really powerful one from the heart. And you feel it when you listen to it. Nothing fake about this shit. Uh, oh, I, I would still have to say Tide for my second favorite. I love this song.
1: Oh man, yeah, no, no, not, not the one that I, I was saying that was very close to Junkhead, but fuck, what a song. What a song. What the fuck will it take? To drown myself in my wake. New Orleans, gotta get medicine. Dan, <laughs> please turn off that CD, bro. Okay, bye. I wanna fucking do this without the music. I'm gonna put the music in the background anyway. Okay, yeah. my bad. Jesus Christ. All right. Doom is fuck. I can't say it enough. These harmonies are God. I guess they got labeled grunge because it's really dark. Nothing pretty here. No razzmatazz. Ain't nobody going to step outside. There ain't no unskinny bop. More like desperation in the darkest fucking existence. I can see why the, the the hair farmers would hate a song like this. Because ain't nothing but a dark time going on here, man. Fucking, oh my, see, this is the future right here. This right here, I mean, it's just too bad that, uh, you know, there weren't more bands doing something original like this to keep the metal flowing through the 90s. Because you got to blame the media, 100%. You know, the media for not labeling this metal. The old metal was dead. Fuck you, Alice in Chains was around. Pantera was around, you know? This shit was metal, and it was popular. You know? I love it. Hate the Feel. Fucking awesome. Uh, Angry Chair. The next one. Oh, All my. right. Well, hold on. I
0: like, I like to talk about Hate the Feel. Didn't you? You did. No, I'm just saying.
1: <laughs> okay, go on. Uh, Expand on your thoughts.
0: Uh, yeah, no. I, I love this. But, uh, you know, once again, to uh, repeat myself so you can edit it out. Uh, to me, this is real metal, but considered alternative because what was considered metal and hard rock wasn't this is the real shit this has much more akin to black sabbath uh, you know deep purple led zeppelin and you know even even maiden and priest than what fucking steelheart roxy blue and fucking slaughter did you know this was fucking oh my god and sincere real and you know, for better or for worse, uh, you know, it wasn't fake. It wasn't like, hey, it's this is heroin chic. You know, we're we're talking about drugs because it's cool. No, they're, they're talking about drugs because they're all fucked up. I mean, I mean, uh, a lot of the bands suffering. You got Mike Starr is suffering from addiction. Lane Stanley's t- suffering from addiction. Uh, uh, Jerry Cantrell is on. Z- Xanax and fucking alcohol. I mean, there's a lot of shit going on with this band, and it's 100% from the heart, and you feel it 100% when you listen to it. There's nothing contrived about this. God damn. I love Hate to Feel. But then we go into Angry Chair. Holy fuck. Now, this to me is Cantrell like a motherfucker. You just hear that riff that do down down. You know, and then the harmonies between him and fucking lane. Oh my god, and that. Oh and, you know, and the start stop and the way it kicks in. Oh, what a fucking classic, and and what a breath of fresh air. You know, for somebody like me, who even though I came up during the Cock Rock era, I was very versed in Black Sabbath and the roots of heavy metal through my father. You know, I knew Deep Purple. I knew Sabbath. I knew Zeppelin, like, with different, you know, time changes and different stuff. You know, stuff that was more rudimentary than what was being spoon-fed to you by MTV. You know, to hear something like this, it's like, oh, oh. You know, this wasn't fucking grunge. This wasn't like alternative. This was real fucking metal. But people were just so fucking deluded that it was considered alternative. And that's sad. But Angry Chair is not a sad song. It is an awesome fucking song. One of
1: my favorites. Standout track. Love it. What do you think of it? What do I see? Cross the way, hey. hey! see myself molded in clay. Oh, oh. stare at me, yes, I'm afraid. Yay. Yeah, change the shape of its a face. Oh yeah, oh. fuck man, down, what down, a down, song. Down, down. Dark, like the last one. This shit does not sound like a single, but yet it was. Uh, oh my god back to the demonic harmonies on this and you know it's all it's always so it's always so dark and it just hits a nerve with me musically and then you then out of all this darkness you get this pretty I don't mind man I don't mind these guys were the shit dude this shit right there is like fucking historic Uh, Angry Chair is a Fucking amazing. Amazing fucking song. Love it. Fucking great. Uh and I can understand, I don't think it did that well as a single, because pretty hard to access if you unless you're a real like real motherfucker like me and Wozilla.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Alright, I'll go to the next one. The purveyors one. of truth. Wood.
0: Justice and the American Way.
1: That's right. Wood. W O U L D. Yeah, like Ian said, it's the first one we heard because it came out on a single. Thing. Now this, I would call a logical single. You know, Jerry has that smooth voice leading off the track. Then Lane comes in with that unique, powerful voice, you know, taking it to another level. It's actually catchy and almost, you know, it's almost like a contained, co- cohesive song. You know, uh, you know, considering how Alice and Chains take left turns. It works so damn well, you know. Out of all the singles, this is my favorite. Uh, not sure how good it did on the charts, but it shot up to the top of my charts that year, along with Junkhead. Because this is the one that's kind of like neck and neck of my, right. you know, it, you know, my second favorite Allison Chains song overall. You know, is uh, is is um, Wood uh, with Junkhead. Oh my God to end the song with you know and the end the song with a familiar song was pretty genius too, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. You know, but god, I I love 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 this fucking song, you know. It's just it's just so good, you know. It's I don't know, I can't express this, you know. You know another song that, you know, it's not on the album that I would say it's probably like my third favorite, Allison Chains song is uh Nutshell.
0: Oh, off of uh of Lies. Oh man,
1: that song,
0: dude. And that's uh, every time they play that now, they dedicate it to Lane Staley and Mike Starr.
1: Nice.
0: Every every time, and it's it's part of every Allison Chain show, and and Jerry always does an intro and uh, and dedicates that to the the fallen members of Allison Chains.
1: There's something about Nutshell too, you know. It's like
0: yeah, and that that oh. fucking
1: album, you know how it's kind of like you know.
0: Oh, a a fucking great album. Yeah, it's another
1: Uh, side of Alice in Chains.
0: Kind of like like Sap. Oh, yeah. I mean, and and Sap, like, I prefer Sap to Jar of Flies. But I I still love Jar of Flies. But, you know, they they added, like, a whole new musicality when they got Mike Inez, who I think is a fucking genius. Yeah. Uh, You know, the, the, the real genius behind No More Tears by Ozzy. Even though you know Geezer gets a credit, my guy Nez is the guy who wrote that baseline yeah. and added all this shit. But I don't want to take anything away from Mike Starr, uh, who I think was a very important member of Allison Chains. And I feel so bad, man. You know, because I'm one of those. You know, I like a train wreck just like anybody <coughs> else. And when he's on ce- celebrity rehab and all this shit, you see this shit, and. It's fucked up, because it is almost like entertainment value, but this is that guy's life, man. I mean, this this is a guy, I see Mike Star like fucking Steven Adler, but Steven Adler's still with us, you know? This is a guy who contributed, but his just, you know, his disease and his progression in the band made him the most expendable, you know? Because, like... He's just as fucked up on heroin as Lane Staley, but Lane is the fucking singer. Who are you gonna kick out? You know, the right. bass player. Uh, but you know, I feel real bad watching now because you see it and you can laugh and it's entertainment, but it's a man's fucking life, you know. And and this song was written about Andrew Wood from Mother Love Bone. And that's a band I can't (coughs) recommend enough. Uh, You know, it it featured two future members of Pearl Jam before they got all pretentious and like, oh, we don't play stuff like that. Mother Love Bone was like the Seattle Guns N' Roses. I mean, it was just like down and dirty, sleazy rock and roll. And it's really, a really good album, man. Check out uh, Mother Love Bone had a, a full length album and an EP that I think are fantastic. Fantastic, uh, but Andrew Wood died of a heroin overdose. You know, and that was the epitome for fucking you know Temple of the Dog and all this. You know, all these people playing tribute to Andrew Wood. But when you hear Wood, you see you hear the word Wood, like would you with a question mark? But it was about Andrew. I wood. did not know that.
1: That's cool. I didn't think. I didn't know. Yeah. That.
0: Well, it, it, yeah, it was about that because uh, Jerry was a very good friend with Andrew Wood. And what he wrote it about was, uh, you know, people's jud, you know, judgment and perception. Like, oh, all these people say, like, oh, he was just a junkie, OD'd, fuck him. And he's like, no, you didn't know this guy. You didn't know what he went through. You know, there was different shit. You know, you didn't know him like I knew him. You just jumped to a conclusion. Do
1: you think? Do you think Allison Chains would have been labeled grunge if they weren't from Seattle? Um, maybe that had a lot to do with it. I, well it definitely didn't hurt the You know look at it this way imagine if Queensrÿche released Empire and it was their first album during the grunge era they'd be a grunge band Think about that Oh yeah yeah no in a
0: way just because it was different you know yeah. it was different than fucking uh you know Doctor Feelgood and shit like that but uh, again I I can't contribute enough hey Lane got a different haircut and uh they're singing about different shit and it was so different but i mean they were definitely the most metal band but god damn when i heard wood it was just it was such a breath of fresh air uh you know like you always when you you know because you were there before the cock rock so when the cock rock came out you were already like oh what the fuck is this and i came on board like oh this is awesome but towards the end i was even like oh, this is terrible. This is becoming pop music. It's not, there's nothing hard rock about it at all. This is just fucking pop shit. And then you hear something like this, and it just blew my mind. I was ready for it. And, you know, I vividly remember, you know, hearing like Nirvana for the first time, and it was the same thing. Like how fresh this is. Like this is so different than what I, you know, the the fucking shit and hit parade same thing with Chili Peppers. You know, people out there might not like it, but it was something different. I, I get where the whole art alternative thing came from because every band started sounding the fucking same. And it was the same, like, uh, I met a girl, I want to fuck her. And the second song was like, oh, she left me, I'm so sad. You know, and then you have bands coming out, you know, playing stuff that's more interesting musically and they're singing about more realistic topics i totally get why the alternative shit took over the fucking cock rock and killed it it deserved to fucking die towards the end yeah
1: uh
0: but everything you know,
1: everything dies dude music oh yeah everything except, dies, except you know? metal but metal will always live and it always peaks its uh, its ugly head in america here and there but it, it's always going to be strong yeah. Yeah, you know, but but metal, metal has gone through so many different phases. If
0: you look at it, like you know, there was a time when it was all about fucking rap metal. Remember that shit when it was all like Limp Biscuit and POD and fucking corn and all that shit? And I hated, I
1: hated that even more than rock. And,
0: and that was, but it was a phase. And then look, you know, Limp Biscuit can't get arrested right now. But there was a time when that you couldn't go anywhere without hearing that shit, and that was a thing. Everything has its time, even grunge. You know, you had bands that that were good and that stood out, and then and you then had
1: Silverchair,
0: right? And then by the end, it's Silverchair, it's fucking Bush, yeah. You know, it's fucking Creed is considered grunge. You know what I mean? That gets copied, and pa- any great genre of music. You know, people okay, that's a hit. I'm going to take that and I'm going to redo it. And it's a, you know, to quote Trent Reznor, it's a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. And it gets watered down and people lose their taste for it. And then it becomes something else. And I remember in the early 2000s when rap metal was on the way out. Then it was like the new wave of American heavy metal when it was bands like Killswitch Engage, uh, uh, Shadows Fall, and unfortunately, that shit which I liked a lot better didn't take off the same way that the other shit did. But when it comes down to it, you know what American people want is fucking damn What do 14 year old white girls want? Like? Okay, you play some fucking Lent Biscuit. 14 year old white girls are shaking their butt like, yeah, yeah, this is good. Or you got a 14 year old white girl who's like, I'm going to show my daddy I'm listening to grunge. And then they grow up and they abandon it. So your best bet, if you're in a fucking rock band, go after white male fans. And I hate to say that, you know, as a white male fan. But you know what I'm saying? Go after the guys. Because guys don't abandon you. Girls will abandon you the minute somebody cuter comes along. and, and, And the minute, like, flavors change. But this was something, you know, uh, I love, there was this thing on MTV where they had this girl on, uh, when MTV used to have, remember The Week in Rock? Yeah. And they had this girl that was all about New Kids on the Block, all about New Kids on the Block, and and they interviewed her because she was like the world's biggest New Kids on the Block fan. And then New Kids on the Block put out a new album in 1994, and they didn't even change her name to T V or whatever. You know, to, to seem edgy. And they went back and revisited this girl. And now, this girl is wearing flannels. She's like, oh, I don't listen to that. I listen to Nirvana, Allison Chains, Pearl Jam. That's what I'm into now. That's kid music. And I I loved it. I loved it. Like, even though, like, I was listening to that stuff too, so I didn't want that chick even attracted to what I was listening to. But it just shows you how fucking fickle American audiences are, you know, if, if, if you make a fan of somebody in the UK, they stick by you forever, America, fucking fickle is a motherfucker, it's whatever's trending right now, one week it's fucking Kim Kardashian, the next week it's Kylie Jenner, you know, a whole new generation of fucking plastic people takes over, but this music stands the fucking test of time, so that's when... You know, it might have been considered grunge at the time, but metal fans still love this because it has the backbone. It has the integrity that true metal fans know this is metal music. This isn't fucking grunge. This isn't a fad. This was a metal band in the early 90s. I fucking love it.
1: Hell yeah. That, did you talk you talked about well, Yeah, you did talk about it. All right. So, Ian, uh, give us the 411 on this album. All right. Well, this album was released
0: September 29th, 1992. And for those of you like, oh, really? Or paying attention, yeah, Wood was released in June. So that was, like, the first one. But the the full album didn't come out until September of 1992. Went on to sell... Four million copies in the U.S. alone. Nice. And five million worldwide, the highest-selling uh, Alice in Chains album. Uh, produced uh, by Dave Jordan, uh, big fan of his production. I loved what he did with uh, Jane's Addiction. I loved what he did with uh, Anthrax. He also produced Sound of White Noise. Uh, I believe Toby Wright was the engineer on this one. I could be wrong. I think,
1: I think, Uh, and I love, don't get me wrong, I love Sound of White Noise, but I think the guitars could have been a little heavier on that album. On that one or this one? No, I'm talking about uh, uh, Sound of White Noise. Sound of White Noise, yeah. Yeah. All
0: righty. Well, uh, since we've done that, now it's time to go into pick of the week.
1: All right, go ahead. I don't have one.
0: All right. All right. Well, my pick of the week is not an Allison in Chains album, but it was the B-list for this album. This was picked by my great friend, Eddie Gulp. He said, either (coughs) review Dirt or the debut album from Mad Season, Above. And that is my pick of the week. Uh, That album is absolutely amazing. It's uh, laying on vocals, Mike McCready from uh, Pearl Jam, uh, the drummer from Screaming Trees uh, the bass player is a guy they all met in rehab uh, and it is just oh man uh, again like it, it's the same vibe like the darkness but it's a little bit different musically but what a fucking album man uh, Mad Season Above incredible I, I, please everybody check that out that is my pick of the week
1: all right, my pick of the week is something that is extremely popular. Uh, one of the most popular albums ever made. Definitely the most popular album of the grunge era. Uh, I'm going with Nevermind by Nirvana. Um, and uh, I admit, I didn't like the first two singles. I hated Nirvana until I heard Lithium. And man, every so- every other song on that album. Stay away on a plane. Um, Territorial Pissing, Under the Bridge. Uh, I think it's a fucking great album. Breed. Um, I absolutely love uh, Nevermind. I heard um, on a plane the other day on my shuffle, and I was like, dude, this is great, great pop music.
0: I've never heard it all the way through. Really? Are you kidding me? To to this, I never bought Nevermind just because it was everywhere. Well, not, yeah, there's lot, everywhere. Well, there's a
1: lot of songs on there you don't hear it. But but
0: there, there's a song. Uh, forget. I think it's the last song on the album. Yeah, uh, under a bridge. Yeah, really good. But yeah. I never because I just and I I bought uh, like I when Incesticide came out. I bought that. I was like, eh. No, I like and, that one.
1: I mean, some of it was and, like too alternative. And,
0: and I absolutely love In Utero. But I know you don't. Like yeah, I don't utero. like In Utero. I, I think *In Utero* was a perfect album, but yes, to this day, even though I've got it through uh, Mr. X, I've never heard—never uh, mind all the way through. I
1: never—I didn't like *Bleach*, and I heard *Bleach* before uh, that album. Uh, never mind, because guy talked about Holy George had it, and uh, right. I was just like, eh. even he didn't like it. He was like, ah, "You want this shit?" I was like, "I'll take anything," you know, and and uh, I didn't like it. and I gave it away, which was a mistake because it was vinyl. You know, it's first pressing, so But, um, what do you call, uh, Nevermind is, like, dude, it's a perfect blend of, like, punk rock and power pop, you know? I mean, even Kurt said, you know, we're, we're the Cheap Trick meets the Knack. And I hear that, right. but I hear, like, Cheap Trick, the Knack, and the Ramones, you know, all in that. And, uh,
0: Yeah. With I, was a big steal of the Pixies, too. But I know you're not a Pixies fan.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't know that. But I, I, I believe the Pixies—they ripped off were smells like, smells like Teen Spirit, or was it Um Solo, not Solo Slime, What's that other band that they liked a lot?
0: Uh, uh, I, I think Pixies is where he got. Okay. Uh, yeah. Smells like Teen Spirit, but oh my God, the biggest ripoff ever is Lithium ripping off Killing Joke. I mean, that's. No, it like was. A,
1: what, was it? No, it, it was. It was Come As You Are, wasn't it?
0: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Down, 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 down. Yeah, come as you are.
1: And also, uh, Sonic Youth was another band they loved. Yeah. Uh, But I love it, man. Rip off or not, I don't give a fuck, man. There's so many great songs on Nevermind that I feel like, you know, for me, when people talk about Kurt Cobain as a genius, you know, I was like, well, he was on that album. You know, I don't hear it on the other albums. I mean, there's a song I like on, uh, you know, I liked uh, Penny Royalty. I, liked, oh, I love that I, I like that song. I liked uh, About a Girl off the first one. I love uh Grandma Take Me Home off of Insecticide, whatever that yeah. was called. Uh Molly's Lips, which was a, a cover. Yeah. Um uh, but but
0: to me I'm really surprised you don't like
1: it uh in utero. I tried to me, dude, utero I've is tried. much
0: more metal. I've tried no, I just feel like it's Well, I should say metal, but it's heavier. Yeah, it is
1: heavier. It's not yeah, exactly. They were trying to get away from Never mind, and be more, you know, like, but, but it, it just didn't translate well, well with me. I just, right. I don't know. I mean, I tried, I really did try. And I saw the tour and uh, that show was terrible, but, um, yeah, that, that like when I left that show, by the way, when I left the show, uh, Kurt Cobain was doing this thing on his guitar. Like Wah! I would feedback for so long, I left. And by the time I got to my car, cause it was at Bayfront, which is an outdoor place. By the time I got to my car, it's still here. I was like, Jesus Christ, it's still going on. I, I, I was very disappointed when the only time I ever saw Nirvana. But um, other than that, um, I love Nevermind. I, you know, it was an album I didn't like at first. I wasn't, you know, I didn't get swept away with, you know, the big hoopla about t- small Like Team Spirit. I was like, I don't see what's so original about this song. I don't get it. Then I heard "Come As You Are" and I hated it even more. I even hate that song more than that song. I was like, "Oh my God, this band is terrible." And I'll never forget it was uh, when I went to go see uh, Guns N' Roses and Metallica up in Orlando during Hurricane Andrew. Is when I first saw "Lithium" in the hotel room uh, on MTV, and I was like, "Hey, now this is this song's pretty good." And then the more I listened to it, I was like, "Oh fuck, let me go get this album." Okay,
0: and so who's Fan of the Week? Okay, Fan of the, the Week this week. Very, very special. And I got a feeling he bought an episode last year, uh, but I can't remember. So I want to tell the same story again. This is Mr. Ed Galt who paid for this. And uh, when I first moved to Florida, I went there... No friends, no family Just moved there with an ex-girlfriend And my best friend uh, Shortly thereafter to join me And Ed and his family Really took us in, that's where I got the nickname You know, me and my best friend got the nickname The Satan Brothers Because they didn't know people who were like all metal Like we were, you know they're like, Oh, you all the fucking Satan Brothers And <laughs> that nickname Stuck And every holiday we were welcomed into their home and uh man just even though i haven't seen ed in hell almost over 10 years since i moved to new orleans he's in my heart all the time he's a great brother and supports what i do and and that means so much that somebody i mean you know how it is ralph and in real life it's hard to get people you really know to to listen to what we do our radio shows our podcasts and he does it man and and uh, and, and that means a lot you know that uh, you know even though he does, he doesn't see us as a, you know I'm just still Ian to him he loves what we fucking do that means the world and I don't think he's going to the expo but still just to show his support he donated and picked this awesome album to review, so thank you so much, brother Edward. And also, he is on record with Guinness is having the largest cock for a for a Caucasian.
1: Oh man, that's wild.
0: That's a, yeah, yeah. He is known as the tripod. Hmm. Uh, you know, and his kids are of age, so I can say this now. Yes, he has a legendary fucking cock for a skinny white boy. Uh, So hats off to you, brother. Way to go.
1: All right. That's awesome, dude. None of my friends ever pay for anything. (laughs)
0: All right. Well, speaking of people who don't pay for anything, let's go to the plugs.
1: Earpealer, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpealer.com to find out what we're all about
0: listen to the rock show with gully and joe go to all the w's
1: gully gu dot uk 8 p.m uk time 3 p.m eastern the rock show with gully and joe listen to it don't be a cunt hey rock music fans this is terence reardon of the terence reardon and friends audiovisual podcast join yours truly as i Look every week at a different classic rock or metal album that had a major impact on my life. And I'm usually joined by a friend or two or ten. And we talk about nothing but great classic rock and metal. And there's no country or Sammy Hagar or rap on the fucking show. That shit is frowned upon with yours truly. So if you want a great classic rock audiovisual podcast, tune on in to the Terrence Reardon and Friends Audiovisual Podcast. New episodes every Monday exclusively on On YouTube.
0: Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault. Featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the Vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault. On Podbean, Stitcher.com and iTunes. God damn it. Tired of your long commute and boring work day? Well, join Brian Davis and his gang of movie buffs as they talk about a different movie subject every week on Damn Good Movie Memories. We discuss movie themes like our favorite movie villains, favorite soundtracks, and worst movie remakes, and much more. Check us out on iTunes and Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. From New York.
1: Hey, 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 hey. What
0: up, bangers? From North Carolina. Skater pal meow meow. This is Bushy. And the mountain tune in every week for your listening pleasure only on the plug with bushy and the mountain man you can find us on hot bean and itunes thank you very much hey everybody i'm aaron and i'm chris and we're from the decibel geek podcast and if you love this
1: (laughs) You'll love us.
0: That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll, and it's always free. This is Ian Wadley, Wadzilla from Wadzilla's World. Do you want to hear the greatest, most eclectic show on the internet? Show up for the best in hard rock, heavy metal, classic rock, funk, soul, and anything else i deem necessary. Quadzilla World, only on Cranium Radio, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Be here or be a bitch. Welcome
1: to the best fucking show you'll ever hear in your life. Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, The Dr. Fuck Show. Yes, tune in here at that metal station for The Dr. Fuck Show. I've been doing this show right here for years, and the chat room's always packed, the jams are always playing, and yeah, you may get a rant every freaking week from me, fuck, not freaking, I don't want to say freaking, I mean fucking, so join me and my lunatics that are let out of the asylum here on that metal station, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Thursday nights, join me. Let's lose our fucking mind.
0: All right. Well, if you love this uh, "quote unquote" grunge episode, come back next week when we have a true rock legend, Jimmy Page. What is going to be with us next week? Yes, yeah. but he's only going to talk about the firm and the Honey Drippers. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, I know. So, I, uh, I knew there'd be a catch.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you got to pay for him to talk about Led Zeppelin, but uh, he's more than willing to apologize for the firm and the honey drippers. But what an apology. Yeah. And that's next week right here at the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast.